Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Greetings, fellow members. Members? Members. Ooh. Greetings, fellow memers. <laughs> what up, normies? I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts, who apparently can't talk well. Today we watched the 23rd episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Part 3, Stardust Crusaders, entitled High Priestess, Part 1. Dun dun dun. It covers chapters 179 through 180 of the manga. 179. Yeah, that's, that's two. two chapters. That's very short, and you can that's tell one more than one. I think yeah, they added <laughs> some stuff in. I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, so every, I think basically everything with Susie Q was new. Oh, well, well, well. Isn't that interesting? We're getting original content. Hmm. I think. Oh, I don't think all of it was, but like a substantial amount of it was. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. So the high priestess. The My last arc Christus. of the first half of Stardust Crusaders. That's it. We're almost done. We're almost there. Yeah. We're almost halfway through this Stardust oh Crusade. God. <laughs> okay, but we still have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Where's Dio? Egypt. Touche. Um, <laughs> what's gonna be after the tarot? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Oh. Is it just more tarot? No. Strength 2. We've done this just like three times. We have, haven't we? Uh, yeah, but there's so many questions, Liam. So many questions. Well, Nick, answer. before we get into those questions, uh-huh. I want to kick off the episode with some words of wisdom from our friend, your friend, my friend, <laughs> author of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Hirohiko Araki. You seem so genuine. It's like, he's our friend. That's because I'm a good actor, Nick. <laughs> okay. Well, hang on, but then what... This is from volume 11 of uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, second last volume of Battle Tendency. Ooh. I'm not interested in politics, but lately I've been a little worried by the future of Japan. I find it dangerous that everyone wants to get rich or to gain material wealth. We're more in need of spiritual wealth. That reinforces my idea that I deal with more and more enriching subjects through manga. Hirohiko Araki. Sure. That sure. would have been written in like the 90s, wouldn't it? 80s, I think. Oh, damn. Bad time. Which, as Yakuza Zero taught me, Japan was going through a big economic boom at the time yeah. and a lot of people were recklessly spending money and I think maybe that bubble burst eventually. Yes, it did. Oh my, how it did. But Araki was quite on the money with we should make more anime. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, he's saying. Um, yeah, because you know what they did in the 90s to solve the economic crisis in Japan? They made more anime. Is that true? Yeah, they, uh, they transitioned from like... Uh, VCRs. No, like, local goods to international goods, and then all the people, like, companies were like, eh, fuck this. And they were like, can you give us the money back? And like, no. Nope. No, this is our money. That's not happening. Like, oh, okay. So we're in, like, $500 trillion worth of debt or something stupid. 500 trillion yen. Yeah, 500 Which trillion yen. be, like, yen. 500 mil... I don't know, the chink's change. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> but basically, the way they solved it was basically by going, well, we don't have much more in the way of materials because everyone's gone away. Why don't we just make a shitload of culture? Because we have a lot of anime yes. artists. Grow lots of yogurt. Yeah, so they effectively just made a lot of anime and then got through. That being said, they are still not really succeeding at like, any so kind Nick, of economy. Yes. We kick off the episode with a brief recap of last time. Avdol's back. He's best friends with everyone. He's got a new personality. He's Avdol, question mark. This time with a cool hat. With a cool hat. Uh, and they've got a cool submarine. It's huge. <laughs> That's about it. That's that's, a, it's a sub that's massive. What else can you say about the For You? Ah, uh, the For You. What a classic beast. And then the OP heavens. Nope, not that one. Oh, sorry. We're cats now. Yep. Meow. There's someone. Meow. Someone's going to draw that. You know, like Oh. There's going to be someone out there who draws us 
as cats going. You Nick, know, I would kill you for fan art of us. Whereas in you'd kill me for it, or you'd kill me for it. I want to incriminate myself. Shit, I shouldn't tell you about my collection. <laughs> That's creepy. Isn't it just? Anyway, okay, you win that. You win that that round. <laughs> you win that round. We get another map shot. They're traveling. They're in the Red Sea. It's between eastern and western deserts. And the narrator tells us that divers all agree that it's the most beautiful sea in the world. I thought I was watching an infomercial. This is not a four out of five dentist thing. This is all <laughs> divers think this is the most beautiful ocean in the world. You know, there's like 90% ads where it's like 90% ag- No, no, no. We're 100% not of divers think this is the best ocean. There is no diver that we'll will tell you whatever. it's not the best. Yeah. I mean, this is... They're not a real diver if they think it isn't. They haven't seen enough. They might be like a diver with a caveat, but no. Yeah. Divers. I'm like, you know, I'm a diving enthusiast and I like the oh, Great Barrier Reef. You're not a diver. Well, maybe if you went out to the Red Sea, friend, you would know it's the best sea in the world. <laughs> Do you reckon there's like an elite club of divers? It's like the Red Sea is the best in the world. Anyone who disagrees, not a real diver. Yeah, they're out of the union. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the narrator tells us that there are no cities uh, and next to it and no rivers leading into it. So it's unsullied. Cut to the giant submarines plowing <laughs> through it. This huge turbine, probably running on coal. Abdul was at the wheel and he's like, no problem. I can drive this thing. No hassle. Joseph can also drive it, he says. And then Jodoro's like, no, you can't drive. I'm not letting you crash us again, old man. I'm not going to die down here. To be fair. Not uh, the best record on this trip. Yeah. How many things has Joseph driven that haven't crashed? Well, he landed a crashing plane in... um, Crashing? That was, I mean, the pilots were killed, so he landed it. You know, okay. best he could do in the scenario. Sure, yeah. Uh, he crashed the plane into a tree. The Cessna, yep. Uh, Polnareff was mostly driving in Wheel of Fortune, I believe. Mm, okay, sure. So, oh, but that wasn't really them driving and crashing. That's the car more, crashed. Yeah, that's more them being attacked. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it, really. Joseph, Jodoro, look, okay, <laughs> plane crashes are scary. You know, let's not mince words. But I feel like he's throwing like some excessive shade. <laughs> I don't know if Jodoro could ever oh, be... Oh, Joseph probably drove that expensive four-wheel drive they got that they used to buy the camels. Yes, most likely. Which is now crashed. No, they sold that. Mm, okay, yeah, alright. Mm. It was more valuable than camels and water. <laughs> Who knows how much that expensive Jeep Who was knows worth. why they couldn't use it to go to the to <laughs> Yarp line. If only they had air conditioning. Anyway... Kakuin's like, this is my first time in a submarine. Oh, I'm so cultured, but I haven't done this. I thought it would be much more cramped than this. You're a high school student. Yeah. For God's sake, Kakuin. Right, you've travelled a bit, Kakuin. You don't need a front to us. You're cool, all right? I just love that he's like, oh man, it's bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah. It's like, how big did you think it would be? Joseph explains that this is a, uh, a luxury sub that the, uh, the rich use for pleasure cruises. It even has windows. Polnareff, just now noticing the windows, <laughs> runs and looks out at it. It's like, oh, I've always loved this sort of thing. How long has he been in this room for? Uh, well, we've managed to get how far below sea level? 60 metres. And he hasn't seen the window yet. He always loved this sort of thing. He would like to ride a submarine with a cute girl. Aww. And then bone her under the water. Under the sea. Under the sea. Make her a little mermaid. Oh. Nick. Ugh. So they're like, we didn't come to down here to play. Look, we've got sonar. We can detect any approaching enemies. Spoiler alert, they don't detect the approaching enemy. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. How did they not detect they, them? None of them were in the cockpit. They were all drinking coffee or whatever. Oh, all right. 
They're underwater, they're safe, but if they get attacked, it's going to be t- going to be close quarters. Spoiler alert, close quarters. Yeah. So they're all in the lounge room, kitchenette, mm-hmm. mess hall. Yep. Other words that mean the same thing. Uh, they're in a recreational zone. A dining room. Yeah. Kakyoin's like, wow, look at the impressive facilities you've got here. A refrigerator, a coffee maker, the latest in satellite phone technology available now for 100 million yen for submarines. Arras. Are you sick of your submarine constantly going to waste? I want some coffee, but I'm down here in this submarine. There's got to be a better way. Introducing the For You, available now to rich Arab purchasers. Coffee, coffee. Anyway. Simply put, it's a good fucking song. Yeah, and they're like, hey, Kakuin, get us some drinks. We're thirsty. Then Joseph goes, no, everyone shut up. I have to make an important phone call. It's a delicate matter. Ooh. And then we see that the rest of this episode is cutting between these guys in their submarine and the, the, the recipient of Joseph's phone call, Susie Q in New York. It's 3pm. Oh my god. What? She's having trouble picking between two dresses. Just like I assume every day of her <laughs> life. Because it happened last time we saw her in part two. My god. And it's a white dress and a blue dress. What she didn't know is that if she looks at the same dress under both di- under different light conditions, it's oh. both light, white, and blue. Oh! You guys remember that thing from like a year ago? Uh, that dress that there was a photo of, and different I, people with different eyes would see it as I remember white and gold or blue and white. Yeah, I remember being correct every time, and everyone was like, "No, it's white and gold." And I was like, "No, it's blue." I saw I saw white and gold, but I understand that means my eyes are inferior. I come on this podcast. Whatever, I can see you from here. That's all what, That's all I need. But is it really me? That's yeah. the question. Ooh. Yeah. Or is it the facade that I put up? Because right, you're some sort of goblin. You know what? I wouldn't put that past me. <laughs> anyway, Susie Q in a, her very luxurious New York apartment. I don't even know if it's an apartment so much as a mansion uh, it's in an like apartment It's like a top of skyscraper. Yeah. <laughs> it's the penthouse, essentially. It's enormous. Uh, New York real estate is hard to come by, I understand. And that's quite impressive. Hmm. Uh, we see a brief shot of a magazine on her table with a picture of Sno- Smokey Brown. And we only got a brief look at it, but I'm pretty sure it was announcing he'd been declared mayor of New York. <laughs> Who is this young up-and-comer? Who's kind of not that young anymore, but he's definitely an up-and-comer. Yeah. Previous mayor of Georgia, now mayor of New York. What does suspicious campaign donations from Joestar Real Estate Agency and the Speedwagon Foundation have to do with it? We'll Dan of Steel you. reports. <laughs> Dan of Steel, local reporter. Definitely not a bad guy. I'm here. I'm in traction. Everything's A-OK with Joestar royalty. <laughs> Could you imagine if Joseph Joestar saw that and went, OK, Dan of Steel. Kill him. <laughs> Take away his home. I already own it. Anyway, uh, he's speaking to Susie and her butler, Rosas. Who I thought was named after Guns N' Roses. And that is true, according to the JoJo Wiki. Yes. Nick, you want to tell me a little bit about Guns N' Roses? Sure. Uh, Guns N' Roses is sort of like a rock band from the 80s, 90s kind of region. Uh, they play a lot of banging tunes. Uh, they play stuff like Sweet Child of Mine, which you might know because of the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, that one. They play things like Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle. Those are the only two that I really care about. I really don't like Axl Rose's voice. Yeah, no one does. There's a good reason for that, and that's because it's Axl Rose. Right. The band is named after. So there's Axl Rose mm-hmm. slash um, KFC Man. 
Oh, Buckethead? Yeah, the colonel. Well, Buckethead came in after, like, some other dudes left. Slash got shot, and then he regenerated into KFC dude. Exactly. He became Buckethead. Yeah. He got eaten by chickens. Well, have you never seen them in the same place at the same time? Oh, God. <laughs> no, there was um another guy who took over, I think, as well, for a little while, named Bumblefoot. Is he also a guitarist? He is. Does he play with his feet? I'm sorry to tell you, he only plays with bees. Bumblebee? Indeed. Are you, are you pulling my leg? I am, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's I it's hard think... to tell with these at these eccentric guitarists sometimes. <laughs> it's like, man, he's really good. How is he? Oh, bees. Gotcha. All right. He only That's plays the note of B. Oh, shit. That'd be good. That'd be a good shtick. Bum, 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 No octaves, just that one B. Um, yeah, Sounds but... a bit like our part three theme song. Yeah, they, um, yeah, but Guns N' Roses play a lot of, like, you know, upbeat party rock. You know, and uh, oh right, for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but you know, it's sort of beyond my generation. And I still know about it because it's always on the radio. Yeah, I play Guitar Hero. <laughs> exactly. You know, they have some good songs, and then they have some not good songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan myself. Yeah. All you need to know is Welcome to the Jungle, and that's it. Once you get that, you're like, well, that's Guns N' Roses. That's it right there. Okay. Bye. So they're in a casual chat. She's like, oh, you know, um, it's hard to hear you, and he's like, oh, yes. I'm at a hotel and the phone is bad. Have you spoken to Holly recently? No, uh, yes. I called her and she said she had a cold that had worsened into pneumonia. She says it's not serious, but I'm going to visit her. No, under no circumstances should you visit your sick daughter. Just putting it out there. She's definitely fine. Yeah. She's 100% A-OK. I think at this point, Avdol tells Kakuin and Polnareff, it's like, Madam Joestar is full of vitality. He needs to check up on her and make sure she doesn't discover the truth. Under no circumstances should Joseph tell the truth to his wife. Liam, I don't know if you've been in a long marriage, but... uh... It's so weird just how... Especially with everything that happens later in the episode, the absurd lengths they go to to avoid telling Susie Q that anything in this part is happening. Oh, but you know, they got stand users after them. They'll track her down. They'll kill her if she knows anything. If she goes over there, she might, it's you know... coming at it from this weird angle of being like, oh, we don't want her to get upset uh, and worry about her. But I guess it's also sort of steadfast refusal to admit they could ever fail in the quest. Like, Holly's going to be fine, so we don't need to worry her and get her upset. But if they even ever entertained the possibility that they would fail, it'd be like, so we're preventing this mother from saying goodbye to her dying daughter. Sure. But no, they, they refused to entertain the possibility that they'd ever fail at killing Dio. Yeah, but if they ever did entertain the possibility, it would be just a little shot of Joseph being like, no, no, that's not an option. And Jonah would be like, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, pretty much. And to be fair, I think they might succeed. Oh, shit. Don't give me widening my oh, eyes and twisting no. my head in a foxy manner. Oh, no. No, I don't know. It's <laughs> exactly what you want me to think. So she's like, oh, okay, I'll hold off on going to Japan. By the way, Joseph, I'm having trouble choosing between two dresses. And he's like, oh, can I speak to the butler, please? (laughs) So, uh, the butler... He's like, oh, Susie, did you consider that there's a blue dress you haven't considered in the back of your cupboard? I didn't consider it. Thank you, Jeeves. Yes. Thank you for increasing my options again. (laughs) Now we'll never get to the gala ball. I now have a white dress. A blue I assume dress. she's going to some sort of occasion, and she just doesn't, she doesn't doesn't just have trouble getting dressed for the day every day. Liam, you don't know what it's like to be Susie Q, okay? <laughs> she's a real housewife of New York. She needs to look look the part. I mean, she is the husband 
the husband. Yeah, she is the husband of Joseph Joseph. Yeah, she's Mrs. Joseph Joseph. Yeah, I mean, you th- when you are married to luxury, you need to look. Yeah, he's luxury. He's from English nobility. Exactly, that's high class. Yeah, and where's she from? An island in the middle of nowhere. Whew. Just a, a peasant maid girl to a mysterious and <laughs> sexy trainer. <laughs> Who was a screenwriter's wife. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we didn't know anything else about her. Well, her name was... Lisa Lisa. Elizabeth Joestar. Yeah. Because she married George Joestar II, who died in the war. Or not in the war. Secret history of the Joestar family. Vampires. Liam just got really fucking serious for a second there. (laughs) He speaks to Roses and Roses like, So the Speedwagon doctors say it's not looking good. She's getting worse every day. You guys need to hurry this shit up. Can I please tell Mrs. Joestar it's getting bad? And he's like, no. Under no circumstances can you tell her anything. We are not entertaining that thought. We are not bringing her closer to Holly because she might get caught up in shit. Hang up. And then back, <laughs> yeah, in New- fuck you. back in New York, Susie's like, oh, Roses, why did you hang up? I wasn't done talking to him. Oh, well, do you want to have some tea? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Mrs. Joestar, please let me serve you the tea. It's fine. It's okay. I was a maid back in the day. I know how to make tea. Real social climber, that Susie Q. Yeah, she's- What a uh, class mobility. Yeah, she's come from the bottom and now we're here. From humble origins. Brief detour via being possessed by an ancient Aztec- Muscle god. And now, uh, you know, married to Joseph Joestar, the loving, energetic boy that he is. Yeah. He'll, he'll never mistreat her. Yeah. He'll be, he'll always be faithful in his myriad worldly journeys. Yeah. His spiritual eight-year-old self. Oh, because he's an eternal child. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Anyway. um, You can basically be guaranteed he's never going to cheat on her mm -hmm. because he doesn't know what he's doing. Never. Yeah. Anyway. uh, They're like, we're basically in Egypt. Let's kill Dio and save Holly. We can do this. So I think they're having coffee? Uh, we see at this moment, like, uh, something whooshing in oh, first-person yes. perspective through the water at the sub. And then we cut to Polnareff back in the in the cockpit? The bridge. He's on the bridge. The bridge. That's what you call things on ships. Yes, the bridge commander. Yep. He's like, this is easy. I'm not impressed by Avdol driving the submarine anymore. And then, then immediately steers into a giant rock. Yeah, big big old reef. And he's like, no, Avdol was over his shoulder being like, no, don't do that. And then Polnareff goes, let's speed this baby. Let's see if you bastards can do 90. So he like chucks it all full. Well, he doesn't. He goes to, and then we hear a lot of metal scraping. Which we, as the uh, the audience, the audience with uh, uh, the perspective of dramatic irony, oh. know that this is the, well, what we later learn is the high priestess boarding the sub. Ooh. But everyone in the cockpit thinks that Polnareff is a fool and just crashed the sub again. And Avdol like grabs him by the shoulder really hard and goes, Polnareff! <laughs> it's like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone's back in the lounge. <laughs> Are we there yet? Hey, Kakuin, get us drinks again. And he goes, oh, there are five cups. Let me count them. One, two, three, four, five. That's convenient. There are five of us. Hey, why don't you get us uh, some coffee? It's like, why don't you get your own damn coffee? Oh, also, it's 4.50 a.m. And Avdol ah, lo- yes. looks through the peri... He goes, down periscope. And it comes down and he looks through it and he goes, there's the coast of Africa. We're getting close. Then all of a sudden, they're all back in the lounge. <laughs> And they're all just drinking some coffee. And they're gathered around a uh, a planning table, one of those classic one of those classic shipyard ship ship cabin planning scenes. And they're looking at a map. Uh, do you mean they're around a table? Yeah. 
one of those ship planning lounges. I said scenes. Scenes, sorry. I was referring to the things happening, not the location. Okay, I was just thinking you're like, yeah, it's like a ship planning thing. And you're like, yeah. There's this underwater tunnel nearby that they're going to take. Yeah. Uh, it, it was made through erosion and it, it leads to an entrance, uh, an exit 200 metres inland. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's watching the coast for them, they should be able to slip them by. Mm. And then we used to do this segment on this show where I would describe JoJo memes to you. And then we sort of stopped because I got bored of it. But this one's important. Important? Because everyone goes, finally made it to Egypt. Yeah, finally. Egypt, huh? And this is the most important JoJo meme. Okay. Because the main context it's used in is back when the manga was on a weekly release. And also when the episodes are coming out. They Mm. typically air... um, on a Friday in the US time zone, mm-hmm. or release via the, via the internet yep. and various manga pathways on a Friday. Yeah. So people go, people have edited it so they go, it's finally Friday. Yeah, finally, Friday. <laughs> you beautiful motherfuckers. Anyway, and that's important. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Fucking genius. And then they were like, hey, Kakuin, why did you bring us six cups of coffee? There are only five of us. The sixth star is in the room. <laughs> Oh, no. So, Joseph goes to That's drink. That's weird. I guess I wasn't paying attention. I've completely forgotten that I saw there were only five coffee cups a moment ago. That's weird. Joseph goes to drink his coffee. And it turns into a, a little beastie. A little man with a blade. Yeah, Very- it's got, a, got an angry face. It's got like, tufts of hair and sharp nails. And so it goes and slashes off Joseph's hand. His whole robot hand. And Joseph's like, oh shit! So what's happened to Joseph's robot hand over the course of this part? Okay, well it's been cut off like three well, Let's start times. from the start. Okay. And see, let's try not to miss any. So in the first one, Jotaro ripped off its pinky. Then for a while, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> then we had uh, the little thing on the arm. Yep, the, uh, the Empress. Which yep. I think both cut off a finger and pummels it really badly later. Yep. So that it was like clicking a lot more. Really mangled. Yep. A few fingers have come off. Is the next one I remember. What was like... I don't know if it was a scythe or if it was like just an old blade that cut off the tops of two of his fingers. I can't remember, but I'll take your word for it. Of course, it got really big and weird in a dream. Yep, it got really big and weird in a dream. (laughs) I feel like there's more. There's gotta be more. If anyone knows... Every single instance of where Joseph's hand gets completely mangled. Compile a screenshot list and tweet it at Jojo's World. Jojo's Podcast. Ooh, easy. Easy. Jojo's Podcast. Yeah, that's a Twitter handle. Okay. I was just thinking, if they try to tweet at Jojo's World, they'll just end up getting this weird, like... Someone else. Yeah. This weird guy who's sitting in his room just being like, Huh. Why am I getting tweets from this random dude? What's this anime? I should watch it. I should listen to this podcast about it. One more listener. <laughs> Jojo tries to smash it because it's what he does. And then it's too fast, and it it hits the wall and sort of merges in with it. What? And they're like, what? It's transformed into one of the submarine's gauges. What are we going to do now? Joseph's unconscious, because he also got hit in the neck or something. Yeah, well, I mean, he did get his hand cut yeah. off. So. At this point, the phone starts ringing again. Wait, the phone starts ringing? The phone starts ringing again. Who could be calling them? A bad guy? Someone else? Dio? Holly? Susie Q? One of those answers is correct. <laughs> And it's definitely not all of the above. (laughs) At this point, though, before we answer the phone, Avdog gives us some exposition. Because it's tarot time! (gasps) Yeah! This is the High Priestess. He's heard of it before, but he's never encountered it. He tells us that its user is named Midler. uh, Midler. Though it's, you know, legally distinct 
translation is Rose, which refers to a song by Bette Midler, The Rose. Right. Know much about Bette Midler, Nicholas? Uh, I do not. So Bette Midler is a, um, she's sort of a Broadway figure. I think she's also just done like some other show tunes and stuff. Uh, and I, I, she also like does some comedy work too. She had a, a sitcom called Bette for a while in the 90s. I remember that. Mm. She's sort of just a general sort of performer, really. She's she's of prestige in the uh, performing arts world. Right. Did she... I, I swear this is going to be terribly wrong, but did she ever play Annie at any point? I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm. She has red hair. I mean... Well, I'm not seeing it on my quick skim of her uh, Wikipedia page, but she's been in... You know, she, she's, she was in Beaches, that movie they watched in Seinfeld. <laughs> I like how it's not just, oh, it's a good film. It's that movie they watched in yep. Seinfeld. Uh, Wind Beneath My Wings. She's done a famous rendition of that. Ah, very nice. Yeah. You know, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Yeah. Always Bette Midler. Now, <laughs> this was interesting because you, I, when I was first watching, I jumped to the same conf- conclusion you did. Yeah. Which is because in the subtitles they referred to the user as Rose. I mm. was like, that's unusual. We've just been introduced to Rosas. a new mysterious character butler named Rosas, yeah. which is very similar to Rose. And they go to great pains to mention that this stand is a powerful one that can be used from a great distance. And you're like, huh. Huh. That huh. seems very convenient. Yeah, it yeah. feels like maybe they're the same. Yeah, let's return to that in our prediction segment. <laughs> okay. So, the high priestess in the tarot signifies non-action unconscious awareness potential and mystery check out my other podcast mystery twins detective agency for more Man, on you, mystery you are just going for it today <laughs> it's opposed by uh the magician signifying conscious action thinking and the known obvious mm-hmm. and uh reinforced by the hermit signifying looking inward withdrawing and seeking guidance and the hang man hanged man suspending activity and waiting it's hmm. Weird. Yeah. The High Priestess is the guardian of the unconscious. She sits in the front of the thin veil of awareness, which is all that separates us from our inner landscape. She contains within herself the secrets of these realms and offers us the silent invitation, be still and know that I am God. The feminine principle that balances the masculine force of the magician. The feminine archetype in the tarot is split between the High Priestess and the Empress. Uh, The High Priestess is known as the mysterious unknown that women often represent. That seems... A little patronising. Hey, man. Especially in cultures that focus on the tangible and known. Does anyone really know? In the biblical sense. (laughs) Ah, boom. Shoot himself in the head. Well, that's getting cut. In readings, the high priestess poses a challenge for you to go deeper, to look beyond the obvious surface surface situation to what is hidden and obscure. She also asks you to recall the vastness of your potential and to remember the unlimited goals you hold within yourself. The High Priestess can represent a time of waiting and allowing. It is always necessary to act to achieve your goals. So we get that in the form of a shapeshifter. Yep. Uh, Doesn't really match up a great deal as far as I can tell. No. (laughs) It's like mystery. Unknowing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The potential. Not doing anything. Potential is something with regard. Like understanding potential is something that has a through line to shapeshifting. I guess. Yeah. You know. Turning um, into a valve. Sure, okay. (laughs) And finally, with this edition of Tarot Time, the Jojo Valet note for the High Priestess. Here we go. This one has a motif of an African shaman's traditional dress. It looks like it's wearing a straw raincoat or something. The host is a woman, but I didn't make her very feminine, so it would be more unexpected. Wait, the host is a woman? Or is it? You mean like Midler? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I thought it was interesting that he 
called it out as like a traditional African shaman's mm. uh, dress because when I was watching it today, I, I made the note, oh, it's got a face like a kabuki mask. What is a kabuki it's like mask? Like a traditional form of Japanese theatre with like a, a, oh, a yeah. face paint. No, it does look a lot like yeah. that, doesn't it? Yeah. Like one of those really like vibrant red ones. Yeah, like it's, the traditional image is like a white face with a lot of like red markings on it. Mm. Mm. It does look a lot like that. Yeah, so maybe that's, you know... It's just another influence he didn't feel yeah. like expounding on in that point, or maybe something a little subconscious. Or... Yeah, probably just growing up in Japan, watching a lot of kabuki masks do things. I think it's face paint, not masks. I think I misspoke then. Oh, yeah. Liam. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's weird, right? That's cool. cool. I mean, it's, it's cool fucking stand. rad. Yeah. yeah, no, it looks dope. It's like a little killer it's thing. It's got a real air of danger to it because it seems kind of feral. Yeah, it's like you don't quite know what it's going to do next. Yeah. Speaking of which, they're taking on water. It's also broke the surfacing system. They're low on oxygen and can't navigate. What are they going to do? The I'm, phone is ringing. Jesus. Nick, what are you doing in this situation? <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Bring, bring. Bring, bring. Is there a second deal bring, I can bring. take here rather than the phone? No. I mean, there's a door. The submarine's flooding. Low oxygen. No navigation. Phone's ringing. What are your options? What are your priorities? Enemy stand in the room. Wait, I've I've known this problem before. He hanged himself and he kicked the ice <laughs> block out. Yeah, he stabbed him. himself with a knife made of ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all. Problem solved. Answer um, the phone. Yes, Jodoro answers the phone. It's Susie Q. And she's like, oh, I made roses. Give me the hotel number. Hello, Joseph. Why aren't you speaking? Gosh, that sounds like a rowdy hotel there. What's that siren? And I hear running water. Is that a bathtub overflowing? And then there's a long silence. Jodoro says nothing. (laughs) Just keeps going. Uh, And then he just says, the old man can't come to the phone right now. Jodoro, is that you? You should be in Japan. More silence. (laughs) There's nothing to worry about. The old man has me. Once things calm down, we'll call you back. Click. Classic fucking Jodoro. He spent how long thinking up those words? I mean, in real time, we saw it about a, like 20 seconds apiece. <laughs> I'd love to think that every time a cut is done, about five minutes have passed. Everyone else is just frantically grappling with the high priestess in the background. Yeah, and they're just like, good God, we need to get the hell out of it. And he's just sitting there going, he, he, he will, he will be fine. He's mm, a bit forward. Hang on. He will be okay. No, fine. And Susie Q has a moment where she's like, oh, Jodoro is such a strong boy. I hear he's been a bit wild lately, but I'm sure if he's with Joseph, they'll both be fine. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The submarine crashes into the sea floor and Polnareff screams, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, I knew yeah. this would happen. Every vehicle we get in gets destroyed. And Jodoro says, I'm never getting in a submarine again. <laughs> I hate the ocean. Oh, now come on. You've only been in it once. <laughs> He's not got a great track record with being around the ocean in this part. Well, I mean, one um, ship belonged to a rapist orangutan. And was also a ghost. And it was a ghost ship. Yeah. Uh, then he got attacked by the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Immediately before that. Uh-huh. Then, uh, then this. Yep. There's. He had to make himself a bridge to get over troubled he water. He did use the ocean to his advantage when they were fighting Yellow Temperance. Oh, that is true. That is true. However... He did almost die in the process. True, but that wasn't the ocean's fault. Uh, true, true. Can't blame the ocean for everything, Nick, no matter how much you want to. Well, that's not going to stop me trying, Liam. <laughs> so everyone's complaining. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, hey guys, how are we going? Shut up. I'm trying to fix this thing. No, you yeah. shut up. You ask me. I, damn it. Jodoro walks on over to the, the console and he's like, Kakuin, did you see which gauge it turned into? 
And he's like, uh, maybe this one? Meanwhile, the flashing light behind Kakuine morphs and turns out that's the High Priestess. And Abdullah's <gasps> like, look out behind you. And he does, he does a pretty sick dodge to his credit. Like, it's pretty quick. But it's not quick enough because after they, they fight for a little bit and he shoots some diamonds everywhere, uh, he does get a pretty bad cut in the neck. Uh, you'd think that a major artery would have exploded. It's fine. It, it's fine. Yeah, it's, you know, he'll be just, fine. He's, he's conscious. It's a minor deep wound. It's fine. It roars at them and melds back into the, the metal. That's my oh, did, did we explicitly say what its power was? No, we didn't. No. Oh, it's to uh, merge and also shapeshift into the form and also substance of inorganic material, like metal and plastic and rock. Not human flesh. No. They're like, if we stay in this room, it's going to fuck us up. It's too close in here. We should get out of here. Let's open the door and get out. And Abdul goes and grabs the door handle. And oh no, the high priestess is the door handle. <gasps> it's no. a at him. And he's like, in his eternal monologue, he's like, I, I have to take my hands off the door. It's claws cut off Mr. Joestar's metal hand. Why aren't I taking my hands off the... Abdul's changed, yeah. man. He's lost his composure. He would be all about composure. Yeah, he'd be like... Okay, just calmly take my hands off the door handle. What do you call those? What do you call those uh, airlocky door handle things? Uh, wheels. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's all I know about. I know there is actually a name for them. It rushes at him. Jotaro intercepts and grabs hold with Star Platinum. He's Whoa. just holding it there. He's like, "It's not faster than Star Platinum. I'm awesome." <laughs> and Pat Polarev is like, "Don't hesitate. Fuck it up. Rip its head off." And he goes, "Aye, aye, sir." And he goes to crush it. Just not what Polnareff told him to do. Rookie fucking mistake, <laughs> yeah. buddy. And he gets himself hurt because High Priestess turns into a razor blade. <gasps> a lot that of blood. That would be really down. smart, just smashing your hands together into a razor blade. Yeah, no. You, even if I, it is your ghost hands. I can tell you from experience that it's never happened to me. Oh, good. You were, I was about to get a little skeezed out. <laughs> Preemptively. <laughs> if it had happened to me, I think my hands would be very different. Yeah. Everyone's like, I can't believe it hurt Jotaro. He's so strong and handsome. <laughs> a small lens flare comes in from behind Jotaro just to emphasize that he's awesome. Yeah. At this point, Joseph wakes up and he's like, I'm not sure what's going on, but we sure are in a pinch. <laughs> hey guys, are we in a pinch? I feel like we're in a pinch. There's a brief scene where Magician's Red and Silver Chariot try to attack it and both fail. Yay. Our heroes. Guys, guys, you gotta think long term. Yeah, so they're like, let's trap it in this room and, and reassess our situation where there's more oxygen. That's the spirit. So everyone opens the door up and gets on out of there, and Jotaro is just standing there glaring at it, and it's on the ceiling glaring at him. And says, I, Jotaro Kujo, will end you myself. Then he walks out. Spoiler alert, we don't know yet. Then they're all running down a hallway, and Joseph is like, What? Jotaro answered a phone call from Suzy Q? That's terrible. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll deal with that later. He can't even talk properly. <laughs> He's got really bad phone manner. The man doesn't know transparent isn't a colour. He doesn't know that when you're speaking in a purely auditory medium, you should go high, then low with your voice. <laughs> Why high there? Shut up. Is that how that works? I mean, if you're asking a question... It's just so that you high? have tonal variation in your voice, so you can, you can you avoid a monotone, and it makes your voice sound more attractive to the listening audience. Something that I've actually let slip in recent episodes and I've kicked myself for. <laughs> but what if I want a monotone? What if I want to... Well, then you'll never be a great broadcaster, Nicholas. You'll ne I'll never be the podcaster that you were destined to be. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Anyway. <laughs> that was weird. We're just mulling over the dreams, yeah. that's all. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, um, that scene I mentioned earlier where... 
Susie is mulling over Joseph and Jodoro happens and then it cuts to Rose's being next to her silently crying, being like, she doesn't know, but right now they're probably most likely in grave danger, fighting an enemy to save Holly, who they love. Oh, I'm such an emotional butler. <laughs> he's like Niles from The Nanny. I mean, he's not wrong. He's uh, he's very emotional. Yeah. For a butler, at least. He's so sincere. He is damn sincere, isn't he? Yeah. He Can have... we trust him? Well, I mean, he doesn't have the sass from... What was the name of the butler from The Nanny? Niles. Niles. He doesn't have the sass of Niles. So... Not to be confused with Niles from Frasier. Yeah, true. And let's be honest, Niles, he also had sass. Anyway, they're like, let's get out of this dang submarine that's crashed. So they head to the diver's port, I think. Sure. And they're like, we're still 40 kilometers below sea level, but let's scuba dive. I'm sorry, 40 kilometers? Sorry, 40 meters. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) When? Guys, we got a long swim ahead of us. And you know how 20,000 leagues under the sea refers to distance traveled while under the sea, not depth? It's like that, but the other way around. <laughs> We're 20,000 leagues beneath the sea. Oh, no. Is it 20 or 40? No, it's 20. Okay, yeah. Because I remember, uh, I think it's Waterworld or something. <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> With I, Kevin I Costner. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't Waterworld. It's the one where they go underwater and they find uh, an underwater facility and then Samuel L. Jackson slowly goes insane. Maybe it's called Sphere. Is that a movie with super intelligent sharks? Maybe. Okay. It's possible. Basically, Waterworld is the one where all the land disappeared and now dirt is currency. Uh, and okay. uh, Kevin mind. Costner, I think it is. Possibly Klein. Possibly Bacon. Not Bacon. Uh, <laughs> has gills. Okay, it's definitely not that one. Because hell no. <laughs> but you're talking about some sort of underwater event horizon. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly underwater event horizon. And probably better, in my opinion. But no Sam Neill. Look, Liam, I, look, I know he's a national treasure, but... Starring Nicolas Cage <laughs> as himself. Sam Neill. Anyway, uh, Joseph is running in place being like, go, 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 go. And he's <laughs> we like, need to get out. I can't make the necessary scuba preparations with one hand. Help me, Jotaro. And Jotaro's like, do it yourself. What I get from this is that Jotaro is totally cool if Joseph dies. Yeah, I'm the next in line in the will. But if Joseph goes and we don't save my mum, then I'm going to be the New York real estate baron. Do you even know how money works, Jotaro? You get a lot of it, you get more of it than you could ever spend, and then you're fine. Jotaro, you piece of shit. Jotaro has just become attracted to the high life after repeatedly seeing his grandpa buy off government officials and buy expensive <laughs> forms of transport. and Only to then sell them off to live New the school uniforms. And oh god, custom made jeeps. Yeah. Ugh. And then we see Joseph's metal hand floating out there in the ocean. Uh, Bubbling away. Then some grinning teeth also underwater. And <gasps> to be continued. <gasps> what? No, you can't fucking end it there. Interesting app. Kind of a slow burner. Yeah. I think this is a rare one where the first half of the two-parter is kind of the more compressed. Right. Okay. So that hmm, that doesn't bode well for the next part. No, it does. Okay. All right. Okay. Does it though? Yeah, they're backloading it. Alright, alright, okay. I'm willing to believe this. Anyway, uh, Nick, do you have any highlights for this episode? Hell to the yes I do. Tell me more, tell me more. Does he have a cool car? No he don't, no he don't. We're not doing this song. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day. So my favourite bit from this entire episode was just the moment where the coffee cup turned into the thing. Right. And I was like... Oh, yeah. The thing. So, horror influences. There is a a stream of the thing here, I think. Oh, very strongly. Although, obviously, no impersonating people. That was more of Yellow Temperance's domain. Yeah. So, this one's just... 
Anything you're touching could turn into a horrible monster and kill you. It's Prey! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Watch out for their mimics. There was a whole thing in Prey publicity about the killer coffee cup, wasn't there? There was! That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, if you pick it up, it'll just be like, mm-hmm. and then try and attack you. My highlight is... I think it was just nice to see Susie Q again. Yeah, true. Susie Q is pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, wait, what? They're, they're together now? She's aged well, considering she doesn't have ripple magic. Or yeah, never but did. Couldn't, couldn't she just learn it? Oh, well, Speedwagon couldn't. Remember? Yeah. Uh, he was like... Zapelli, do that thing to me where you punch me with your pinky so that I learn the ripple. And Zapelli was like, okay, oh wait, my pinky slipped and I just punched you in the gut instead. <laughs> I mean, that just says more about his manual dexterity <laughs> than anything else. Or malice. <laughs> Whoops, fucking sorry, buddy. And then he won him over by cooling out his frozen arm on his rock hard abs. Yeah, true, true. Good times. Ooh. And sacrificing himself. Nick, lowlights. You know what, I'm going to say the second phone call to Susie, or from Susie Q. With Jotaro? Yeah. Because why? <laughs> like, like why? Why was it there? I don't know, it's fun. I, I guess. Now she knows Jotaro is with Joseph. Yeah, but what can she do? Like, she's not... Mobilize gonna... the Speedwagon Foundation. <laughs> so, hey guys, I have complete control over the Speedwagon We're foundation. back, we've got those UV shoulder lights again. Excellent. Do you think they'll be good against stand users? I mean, there is still a vampire out there. True, there is still a vampire out there. Shit, maybe it could be of some use. I don't know. Don't know. Anywho, um, my low light. I'm going to go the classic Liam, uh, Liam low light of this was cool, but it kind of freaks me out, oh. which is the very specific tangible feeling of hand trauma Jotaro gets when he crushes <laughs> that razor blade. Naturally, naturally. Makes my, feel... makes my palms tingle. <laughs> I mean, you don't actually have a razor blade in your hands. No, no. But and if you're smart... I've cut myself shaving before. Though. Oh. You pick up a razor and you're like, I don't want to, but it draws me to... It's like... That's uh, weird, Nick. Let's move on. It's like the enigma of Amagara Fault, but yeah. with razor blades. This is my razor. It's made for me. No, you don't have to do this. I know. Nick, what do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Stardust Crusaders in the final episode of the first season of the part... Entitled High Priestess Part 2. Uh, hmm. Okay, well, apparently they're swimming out of this sub. Scuba. Scuba battle. Uh, and yeah, they're probably just going to have a scuba. What if it starts turning, like, what if the High Priestess starts turning into weird kind of like missile things or things that go really fast underwater? Harpoon guns, Exactly, yeah. And so it starts turning into, yeah, just guns and... Roses. Fake sharks and things like that, where it just... Fake sharks. <laughs> I mean, any, it's a bizarre adventure. Anything could happen. Surely it could happen. Sure. Surely. Surely. Sure leave. My um, favourite Venture Bros character. <laughs> Wait, who's Sure leave? He's like a gay sailor guy. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's probably going to start turning to that. They're all going to be scuba diving away. Someone, you just know someone's scuba gear is going to get cut... Oh, it's yeah, going to get, yeah. like, damaged in some way. Someone's going to have to breathe into their mouth. Exactly. It's going to be super hot. And then it's going to be, oh, no, I still have 20 meters left. Will I be able to make it? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, not. it's looking like I'm not going to be able to make it. And then Polnareff will come in and be like, don't worry. I now understand the power of teamwork. Oh, now I, just... I die. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. Cool. Okay. Um, thoughts on how they'll defeat the High Priestess? Oh, yeah, they have to do that, don't they? Maybe they'll find the stand user. Just kick the crap out of him or her. Yeah. Well, it has to be a her. True. Because it's I Midler. Guess the note did give that away. Yeah, the Midler. 
The Midler. The Midler. Malcolm in the Midler. <laughs> yeah, I figure they'll find her instead. It'll be like um The Sun, where they attack the stand user rather than yeah. the stand itself. Okay. Because this thing could just turn into something as soon as they attack it, so... Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. So I don't think they're really going to get rid of it so much as find the stand user and be like, Hey! Get fucked. The hammer of justice is unisex. Bam! And then... All right. Down. Cool. Okay. Yep. Probably hiding behind a palm tree. <laughs> Who knows? Underwater in some sort of bathosphere. <laughs> she's hiding in the tunnel. Well, I mean, she'd be drowning then, but she's hiding in the tunnel... Nick, I've got some listener yeah. correspondence for you. <gasps> oh my god, I love listener correspondence. This comes from frequent correspondent Joshua Perry. Tell me more. Tell me more, tell oh, me damn more. damn it, I... Oh. Previously on our podcast, uh, after Avdol died, you made the prediction that the next person to go would be Kakuin. Did uh, I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's according to this mail, at least. Oh, okay, uh, sure. Now that Avdol has returned, do you want to amend that answer or stick with it? The Kakuin's going to die next? Yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing. Clearly what's going to happen is no one else is going to die. Okay. Until we get to Egypt. So, after the next episode... And then how will I know? How will I know beyond that? Okay, no, I actually think... Now that Abdul's actually back... Or is he? (laughs) (laughs) Liam, you're really putting me off every sense that is on the planet right now. I reckon now that Abdul's back, we now have a higher chance of Polnareff dying more than ever. Okay. Because Polnareff has now learned everything. He's resolved his plotline. Yeah, so he's more willing to sacrifice himself sure. more than ever. Yeah, I mean, for his friends. Yeah, so he's like, Avdol's still alive. I was willing to do anything for him. And now I, I die. die. Yep. Uh, oh. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I think maybe the, on the other end, Joseph is probably also most likely because uh, he's really old. And if he, if he reaches the battle to Dio, Dio's just going to go... You, Joseph, you're old, and just immediately attack him. And he's like, my leg. Yeah, basically. And he'll just be like, I'm going to suck your blood and then turn you into a vampire. Oh, that'd be cool. It would be cool. And then he'll be like, I'm young again. <laughs> like, uh, like Straits was. Exactly. Exactly like Straits. And then, uh, yeah. So I'm going to say it's either going to be Polnareff or Joseph that dies next. Okay. Yep, that's a happy prediction. Great, great. <laughs> so, um, more or less brings us to the end of our episode. Oh, no. We have a lot of spooky moments on this show. Yeah, it's a real spooktacular. <laughs> I mean, we do have the kabuki mask, African shaman mask thing. It blends itself to the spook. Anyway, uh, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating or review on iTunes or just tell a friend who's into JoJo. You know you have them. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean everywhere. Even behind you. No, they're not Happy Halloween to be continued. So, Nick, I'm just going to put this in your hand, and I just want you to read what you see. Okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. Oh, walk like an Egyptian. All the old paintings on the tombs, they do the sand dance. Don't you know? If they move too quick, they're falling down like a domino. All the bizarre men by the night. They got the money on a bet. Gold crocodiles, they snap their teeth on your cigarette. Foreign types with their hookah pipes say, walk ao wayo, like an Egyptian. The blonde waitresses take their trays. They spin around and they cross the floor. They got the moves. You drop your drink, then they bring you more. All the school kids so sick of books. 
They like the punk and the metal band. Okay, it's just the metal band. And the metal band. Oh, alright. You know, like a ring. <laughs> I'll take over. Okay, do it. When the buzzer rings, they're walking like an Egyptian. All the kids in the marketplace say, Hey, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. Walk like an Egyptian. Slide your feet up the street. Bend your back. Shift your arm, then you pull it back. Life's hard, you know, to strike a pose on a Cadillac. If you want to find all the cops, they're hanging out in the donut shop. They sing and dance, spin the clubs, cruise down the block. All the Japanese with their yen, the party boys called the Kremlin, and the Chinese know they walk the line. Wait, wait? Like Egyptian. All the cops in the donut shop say, Wait, wait, wait. Walk like an Egyptian. Walk like. Is there no way away over there? I don't think so. Ooh. Walk like, like an Egyptian. That was well timed. Rest in peace. Rip it. Rip it, Egypt. There we did it. Just did it. <laughs>